This message was presented at the GYC 2017 conference, Arise, in Phoenix, Arizona. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Well, for those who just joined us and so forth, this is the third seminar in Stealing Lucifer's Playground. Jamie's seminar title, I'm going to have to look at the book. Jamie, just tell them what your seminar is called. It's Digital Evangelism for Dummies. Okay, but we don't think you're dummies. We think you're full of potential and ripe for the picking. So, um, yeah, Jamie is uh, graciously joining us from afar. She couldn't be here in person, but she took the time to ensure uh, that you guys have access to some great resources. So, uh, Jamie, the time is yours, and then I'll kind of facilitate once we have the Q&A at the end. But we'll be able to see all of her slides and everything else on the screen here. Let me do that now. Okay. Let me just make sure. Okay, you can see my screen? We can. And can I pray for you before we start? Yeah. Okay. God in heaven, thank you for the privilege to have technology to make this a reality. And I just pray that you would bless us with fruitful information and uh, something that can ensure that our church has an even greater relevancy in what I believe is a new 1040 window for this movement. And we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to preface this with, I'm actually, as soon as this presentation is over, I'm sending it to D so that it can be downloadable, hopefully on the app, but ultimately audio verse. I will say that nothing I do is rocket science. It's just a matter of doing it and trying and seeing what works and seeing what sticks. Um, You know, like I said before, for those of you who were here for the initial conversation, social media is about connecting with others and relationship is key. I'm going to share some practical tips for effectively reaching your audience, maximizing your engagement, placing ads, which a lot of you probably haven't seen before, and engaging in what I like to call member care, which is really, you know, the meat and potatoes of what we're trying to do. We're trying to reach people. A more in-depth coverage of all of these topics can actually be found on my website, which is sdadata.org. You'll see it in the bottom corner of the presentation as we go throughout this. So, Social media is a vital tool for accomplishing the mission of the church in the 21st century. My purpose is to empower and equip you for using technology to effectively communicate your message and meet the needs of your members and community. I feel that we each have an obligation to be social media ambassadors for Christ within our sphere of digital influence. In other words, I'm trying to create digital disciples. If you're wondering who I am, I've been working in the field of digital strategies for over 10 years, and I'm actually part of a new department at the North American Division, which is social media and big data. And our goal is to use technology to connect members and mission. So about 50% of my job is to serve as an in-house consultant working on various campaigns and with different ministries. And the other half of my job is to provide resources and training so that others like you can implement similar social media strategies. So global social media usage is on the rise. And this year, 33% of the world's population will be on social media. 
This is a huge opportunity for the gospel. And I believe, I truly believe that the next great awakening will be a digital one. We have the ability to preach the gospel to millions of people. So let's do it. But we need every single one of you to commit to being a digital disciple. We can amplify the three angels message online with a loud voice. But as Dee talked about earlier, we're distracted and we're using it for the wrong things. There's a great need for training and resources related to digital communications. And I think for a lot of people, they've even been hesitant to use social media, to use digital communications. Like some people were hesitant to use radio and TV in you know, time past. There hasn't been a lot of training within the Adventist community. We as a church, you know, in my home, we have dropped the ball in this area, which is why my department was even created. As I said before, I want to empower, equip, and even inspire you to effectively use social media to accomplish your goals and our shared mission. Because ultimately, we're all on the same team. And I don't know about you, but things are getting rough on this planet, so I'd like to go home pretty soon. We're going to cover a lot of practical information. This presentation should be made available to you, but you can always reach out to me on social media with your email address and I'll also email it to you if you can't get it another way. I'm also, I'm very active on my own social media channels during the work week. I do separate work and life balance, but if you connect with me on Facebook or Twitter, I will respond to you and I will answer your questions or send you other resources. Um, also, our website has a ton of resources, all free. So let's highlight um, some tips related to managing work accounts and campaigns before we even get into running a campaign. So this is very foundational, basic stuff, but I've noticed that if these points are not hit, some people can find themselves getting into trouble later down the line um, with just technical issues. So as I said before, I really believe in work-life balance because you don't want to work so hard for the church that your spiritual life suffers and social media is addictive. I actually have two separate uh, Facebook accounts, for example. Um, one is a work account, one is a personal account, and I keep them very separate. Facebook pages should have more than one admin on the page to prevent lockout. So whether you're a small local ministry, whether you work for a church, you should have more than one admin person because, you know, God forbid something happens to that person. Everyone's blocked from the page. Like all you have are editors and no one can make any um, important changes to the page. Never connect your work profiles or your private email addresses or even a personal work email address to things like Twitter or Instagram if it's for a brand or an organization. If you're, if you're your own personal online personality or ministry, that's different. But if you're working for an organization or a ministry, you shouldn't have it tied to personal accounts. Um, what I recommend is that you create a dedicated social media address for your organization and grant multiple people access. Or if you work for a youth ministry, you create a Gmail address for that youth ministry and you connect your social media channels to that address. But just make sure it's an inbox that people, more than one person has access to. Again, this is just to protect you in case something happens to someone or 
you know, and this happens even in the church where someone is dismissed or they leave and they're unhappy and then suddenly nobody has access to all your brand accounts. It's just, it's just a way to put in some protective measures. And then what I do is I then connect accounts like Twitter and Instagram and Hootsuite to those social media addresses. Again, on our website, there are more guidelines and helpful tips there. We actually recently published and approved the NAD social media guidelines. This is a working document that I will update as technologies change, as needs change. There's just a lot of information there. So let's talk a little bit about how to avoid trouble when it comes to copyright laws, um, because I want you to safely proceed with a strategy of your own. These are pretty, pretty simple. Um, there's more information, of course, on the website, but here we go. So the thing I want you to remember is just because it is on the internet, it is not necessarily in the public domain, just because, you know, just similar to if it's on the internet, it doesn't mean it's true. Um, it doesn't mean it's for free use. It is generally okay to share items that are on social media that is the purpose, of course, of social media. But what I don't want you to do is to take credit for it. So if somebody creates or a post or blog content and you copy it to your blog and then you present it as your own, that is intellectual property infringement. But if someone posts to their ministry page an article that they wrote or content and you share it and you tag them or give them credit, that's perfectly fine. That's the point of social media understand, and a lot of people don't realize this, that when you use social media, you're actually giving up some of your ownership rights when you're posting. Most people won't read the terms and conditions for Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that, but technically they own any content that you post. They generally won't use it, but they might use it in any ads or any campaigns that they have. So just, just be aware of that. Um, so if you're an artist or a photographer, I would recommend that you always have your watermark on those images because Facebook won't use it then. Um, when creating posts, use public domain, fair use, or purchase stock images to avoid copyright infringement. Later, we'll talk about how to select images for posting and ads and stuff like that. High quality images are what you should always be choosing, but just make sure they're either ones that you took yourself or you purchase them or they're just in the public domain. Okay. Now, I don't know why it keeps turning like that, but um, a well thought out plan will get results on social media. But what I find is a lot of people treat social media like an afterthought and so it performs like one. So this is, I'm gonna detail my formula for success. Uh, most of you are well-versed in using social media, but I'm asking you to use it with purpose and achieve a specific goal. Strategy is really just about being intentional and really looking at the data and how people are responding and being intentional about how you proceed. That is strategy. Now, these principles I'm going to detail are scalable to any size ministry, whether you're a personal person just trying to witness to your family like some of us are trying to do, or if you're working for a brand account. Um, but I want you to walk away from this presentation with an understanding of strategy. 
Now on our website, there are a basic course in social media 101 and an advanced course that will go into each of these topics in depth if you want to learn more. And I hope that you will. So we want to first determine key performance goals. We'll talk about what those are in a moment. Who your audience is, where you're going to post and communicate, your timeline, and of course a budget if you have one. Next, you wanna develop a content strategy and partnerships. And finally, you want to track and measure your results and manage engagement. So now before you execute a successful social media strategy, and a lot of people, you know, helping out their church and they're on social media. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Okay. It kind of shifted on us. Go ahead. Okay. So again, you know, don't be on social media because you think you should be on social media. Be on social media with intention. And so some of your key performance goals could be to share news, create awareness about events or topics, um, create brand awareness. So if you're the church up the street and only people know you as a building, it's a great way to create awareness in your community about the kind of things that you believe and what you're doing and the, the impact that you're having. You can educate about a cause or a mission. You can fundraise of course, you can recruit volunteers like we did with Pathway to Health, donor recognition, and employee recruitment. These are just sort of the top seven reasons nonprofits use social media. Um, now, for the church, our reasons might be slightly different. So when we're talking about performance metrics, um, after you've identified what you'll be using social media for, it's important to implement those measures for success. Uh, we do this in everyday life. We do this at our jobs. It's, it's the same thing for social media. These metrics can be used to, con to determine conversion or retention of members, followers, customers. I mean, it could be a matter of just tracking volunteers. Um, you know, basically, are you seeing activity and empowerment of social media ambassadors? Are people talking about what you're doing? Are they excited? Are they sharing? I don't know why it keeps doing that. Hold on. Let me go back to the slide. It's just being a little weird. Um, it's funny because when we tested this, it worked perfectly. And so now I think the devil's just been a little mischievous. So let me go back to the right slide. Just a plug for the title. He's just upset we're stealing his playground. That's all. <laughs> He's like, I'm just going to mess with your slides just a little bit. Like they keep going back and forth, which is weird. Um, you know, social empowerment of social media ambassadors. So this who are talking about and excited about what you're doing and therefore spreading awareness, but also, you know, in a soft way, spreading the gospel and what it is that God is doing in your lives. You know, social media could be just reaching more people and you could be tracking traffic to your website as a result of your social media or from a specific platform. Now, before you write a single post, it's important to know who you're writing for. 
Uh, once you decide your target audience and then investigate your audience to determine their needs, interests, and perceptions. You can even conduct surveys or interviews, you know, when possible. But the, the things you want to consider, and remember this, because we're going to talk about this later, it, it parallels um, targeting for ad placement. And that is knowing where your audience is. Are you a local ministry? Are you statewide? Are you um, specific to a particular age? Are you specific to a particular gender? So if you're like a women's ministry or a men's ministry, um, race and language. So if you're trying to reach to a particular culture, that's important to understand who you're speaking to and the nuances associated with that culture. Interests that they may have and a need that you can fulfill. So again, we're on social media, not to just be on social media. We're on social media to proclaim the gospel and fulfill a need. And, you know, sometimes those needs are more tangible, like with Pathway to Health, we're trying to meet physical needs, um, but it could also be spiritual needs. So tying into that, um, I recommend that you develop something that is often called audience personas or sometimes vignettes. Uh, persona is simply a fictional character that communicates the primary characteristics of a group or segment of your audience and takes into account their demographics, their motivations, and their environments. Now, I have found beyond just looking at the data, looking at Google Analytics, social media surveys, some of the best personas are created by getting out there and talking to your audience and, and finding out more about them. Personas simply give a human face to a collection of information and data. They allow you to classify groups for different social media campaigns. So what this means is when you develop your audience personas, it can help you develop and write content that is the most relevant and useful for your target audience. So before you start your social media, understand who you're writing for, what they need, and what your goals and purpose and objectives are. Um, so that you're not being reactionary, but you're actually being proactive. The other thing, and this is unique, I think, to Adventists or any, you know, people or group, are you speaking to Adventist or non-Adventist? Um, you know, be clear in your own head whether or not you're speaking to an internal audience or an external audience, because your language should change based on the answer to this question. So if I'm trying to reach non-Adventist, I'm not going to use terms like Sabbath. I'm going to say, join us this Saturday. Um, you know, just be careful not to use Adventist speak when you're addressing an external audience. So to reach your target audience, you also have to go where they spend their time online and use the language they use. So there's a lot to think about. In this case, you, know, you want to choose the right platform or channel where they're spending their time. There's more about this on my website, but just so you know, everyone is on Facebook. It is the new website. It spans the most generations and most, um, you know, with genders and every political group environment everywhere all around the world i think like 70 percent of the united states population is on facebook the other like 30 percent is under age or like 80 years old and even some of them are on facebook it does tend to skew a little older and female 
Twitter skews younger and male. It is a place for news junkies and conversations. Um, it is also the most oversaturated platform. Um, so that has some challenges that go with it. Instagram appeals to an audience under 25 and it's highly visual. Most of you are probably on Instagram and Snapchat. Snapchat is the second most used platform behind Facebook and is favored by teens. So if you're really trying to reach young people, Instagram and Snapchat is a really engaging way to go. You could also be on Facebook because it's basically the new website. Pinterest is mostly um, used by women of all ages and planners. And you can learn more about that again on our website. Now, I run into a lot of uh, very well-intentioned people. And they're like, we're doing social media. We're not getting results. And I ask them, well, where are you? And they're on like 10 different platforms, like three of which I haven't heard of, or one of them's like Google Plus, where social media goes to die. And, and really what happens is they've spread themselves too thin. What you want to do is pick the best platforms that make sense for your ministry and your message and your audience. Do a few things and do them well, because you don't want to stretch yourself too thin. Um, you, you do have to consider your available human resources and what's actually possible. One thing you might want to keep in mind, I don't know if any of you have a marketing background, but we often talk about something called the rule of seven. And that simply states that a person needs to be exposed to a message at least seven times before they take action. And that may take a thousand tries to reach one person seven times with a consistent message. And so what you want to do is use all of the tools in your toolbox. So whether that's knocking on someone's door, whether that's talking to them in person, whether that's inviting them to events on Facebook, it's basically everything combined can, you know, create your brand and your personal brand for your ministry. Re leverage them to reflect Christ and to draw people to the gospel. It's not that traditional ways of evangelism no longer work. It's this that to reach new audiences in different ways, we have more tools and we can amplify um, what we're doing. It is estimated that the average adult exposed to over 3,000 marketing messages a day. And so in a stat like this, they're counting logos and stuff as well. So therefore, you should develop what is called a multi-channel and multi-platform strategy to cut through this noise. You're using social media to magnify the impact of traditional means. So you're going out into the community, you're, you're knocking on doors, you're talking to people, you're hosting a health fair, and you're using social media to reach out to people and create interest, um, but also share those testimonies in a way, you know, for people who are not ready to come to church. Uh, we now have more resources than ever before to reach people how they want to be reached. And we have resources we haven't had before that can reach the unreached, the people who won't answer the door, the people living in countries where they can't talk openly about their faith. We have a huge opportunity and it has some challenges, but I think the benefits of using this for the gospel outweigh the risk. 
So just talking a little bit more about campaigns and strategies um, for specific like event or goal-oriented campaigns that have a start and an end date. You want to think about a shorter time frame. So in, for some events, it might start two or three months in advance on social media. Other times it might just be a couple of weeks. Um, it just depends on what you're doing. Your print or your traditional campaigns can start earlier. And this is separate than an ongoing content strategy. So you always want to build consistency into your brand, into your social media channel, so that there's always content and engagement because it's you're cultivating those relationships. You're, you're teaching them about your mission and your message, and you're creating that value behind what it is that you're doing. And that's not something that you can pop on once a month and do. This is an ongoing um, effort. I strongly encourage you to stay organized. You can develop a content calendar. I'm just going to give you two examples that you can download from our website, but just use whatever works for you so that you can plan out your content um, through multiple channels. And when you actually schedule and plan in advance, it allows you to be a little more flexible because you're not always trying to play catch up. This is an example of a template that I use for, you know, shorter campaigns, and it allows me to kind of map out my goals and audiences and ideas and such. And I can share it with multiple people because I use Google Docs for this kind of stuff. So if you have a team, this helps you communicate across all your team members and all your channels so that um, you stay on the same page and you can be more effective. So for a campaign strategy, this ties back to understanding your mission, understanding your objective, understanding who your audience is and what your goals are. And that is to know your voice. You know, speak to your mission and to your audience. This is your voice. Everything you say in your post should sound like your brand and reflect the image you wish to portray. Our digital brand is an opportunity to speak to audiences 24 seven. Um, so really make sure that you're really cultivating what that brand looks like. Create a pattern of frequency. If you post inconsistently or infrequently, people don't know when to look for content, they forget about you, but also oftentimes the algorithm starts to um, not favor you anymore and pushes you down. Provide a diversity of content to keep people interested, but also post the type of content that your audience responds to. So be flexible, learn and respond. You might have an idea in mind about what it is that you want to post, but you might find that another type of content works better. So modify your approach based on how people respond. You can tell your story from many different angles and different ways to keep people interested. You can communicate important deadlines and create urgency. Um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, all of these platforms allow us to be human and authentic. Social media is just a digital reflection of what we do naturally, and that is to connect and share. We want that human, we want that humanity, we want that authenticity. And right now, the younger generations, you guys, actually really, really demand authenticity. Social media allows you to break away that boundary and allow people to have live engagement, but also get to know the real you and what you stand for. 
Now, just because you use social media doesn't mean you know how to write to achieve a goal for social media. So for those of you in the audience who feel very comfortable using it, I still challenge you to take a look at some of the resources on our website because it's very different when you're trying to achieve a goal with social media versus just sharing what your lunch is. Um, you want to get to the point and focus your message. Less is more. You want to think snackable content, like something people can retain and remember. Uh, we all have those friends that write like six paragraphs on Facebook, like it's a blog. Honestly, how much of that do you really read? I usually like skim the first paragraph and maybe scroll down to the bottom to see what the point was. That's it. Um, so try and keep it to max like three to five sentences, if even that. Include a call to action. We know that statistically people are 60% more likely to take action if they are told to take action. You wanna include a link, you wanna direct them back to your website or wherever it is you want them to go. Speak to the platform and the culture of that platform, tag relevant accounts, use relevant hashtags. Now, <laughs> here are just some guidelines to keep in mind for choosing good images. I see this all the time in the church and you guys know what I'm talking about where we see this imagery from the seventies. It's, it's no longer relevant. And like you, you get like these churches that are trying to use social media and I'm happy that they're trying to use social media, but they're still pushing out Fabio Satan. And I don't, it, it's amazing. We're still using these like now digital versions of these paintings from the sixties and the seventies. And it's just not speaking to the, the modern desires and what actually appeals to us. Um, so you want to keep it visual. Less text is more, particularly on images. You want high quality. You can either use your own images or stock images. We find that, you know, psychologically, any kind of image that invokes the emotional response or tells a story, that's a better response. People are attracted to bright colors and group shots. Um, they actually did a lot of studies with eHarmony and some of these dating websites. And it turns out that um, dating profiles where there was a group photo actually got more clicks, even though they might not know instinctively who it was in the picture, whose profile it is, if there's like four or five people in the picture. And what we find is that people are attracted to groups and, you know, if someone seems like they're surrounded by someone, they're having fun. It's just basic psychology. You want to keep a consistent look, brand, color, palette. Be creative. Try different things. Um, use contrast and just keep it simple. Social media is not only a conversation, but it should be viewed like a social gathering. And so we talk about this 80-20 rule or sometimes 20-80 rule, whatever however people want to put it first. And that is basically 20% of your imagery or sort of the sales messages, the hard pushes that says, you know, come join us, um, sign up today, volunteer, that kind of stuff. And 80% is engagement or that content marketing, that, that telling your story that adds value to your mission, that really talks about who you are. Um, a great way to think about this is if you were getting ready to go on a mission trip, you wouldn't hard sell your friends at a get together on your mission trip to try and get sponsorship, but you might talk about your goals, your ambitions, and share your general excitement about what you have planned or why it's important. The same is true for social media. Spend more time telling your story and talking about emotionally why it's important for you and what God has done for you 
And then when you ask for support or when you ask for people to come out and help and volunteer, they already have that emotional attachment to what you're doing. Now, um, another thing to think about is how you can build partnerships online in, in this community and in this environment. They're actually key to expanding your reach and your branding. Find organizations to build partnerships either by location or topic. If you can find other influencers that are, um, that are willing to share your content, your videos, or whatever it is that you're producing, that can be very, very valuable. And it, and, but just make sure that it's equally reciprocal. So if, if someone is willing to share your content, make sure you're willing to do the same for them because you'll end up burning bridges. So you can work with sponsors and donors for events, um, organizations already involved, your participants or speakers. So for something like GYC, technically all the participants and speakers could become social media ambassadors and promote the event as well. Uh, local churches or related organizations, even your conferences or unions, um, just make sure that you're willing to keep up your end of the bargain as well. Now, to make this easy, um, I have created something called a promotions packet because communicators often have a lot on their plates and generally church workers in general are stretched pretty thin and social media manager usually becomes just one of many hats that they wear. Contacts, your contacts may be more than willing to promote your events through their various you know, digital channels and platforms, but their time and resources are limited. So with this in mind, you can provide them with a promotions packet as an effective and easy way to equip them with the resources they need to easily become a social media ambassador and to share your message. All it is is a Word doc with pre-made tweets, Facebook posts, Instagram posts, you name it, with images. All they have to do is copy and paste and they can easily share about the event or program or, or whatever it is. And the advantage is you get to control the message and they're more likely to share because you've done the hard part of the work for them. And so if you have a small reach, but you reach out to 10 people who also have a small reach of a thousand, suddenly you have the potential to reach up to 10,000 people. And all it is is just creating prepackaged messages. Now, each of you has a network of followers. If you are on social media, talk about how God is moving in your life. Invite people to your events. Tell them about what you're doing. Work on your personal brand. Be consistent in how you reflect Christ. You know, make sure that if somebody were to haul you into court today, that they could convict you of being a Christian based on your social media and that they would like Christians based on your social media. Be the human behind your ministry or cause. You can Instagram your lunch. You can do this. Most of you are probably working are probably not working in a silo. Find ways to include and involve your team in your strategy. So if you have like a youth ministry, for example, and you're promoting an event or a youth rally or something you have coming up, not only are you posting from the brand account, but all your board members and all your team members should be sharing and inviting people to the event as well. Because people are significantly more likely to trust their friend 
over a brand any day. And so you can be that human representation of your brand. Now I'm going to go over analytics and paid ads later, but um, the thing you should keep in mind is that Facebook is a business. It needs to make money. Therefore, it generally limits unpaid reach. Um, of course, some people can break that rule and go viral, but uh, in general, you're limited. And so that means about 10 to 20% of your fans will see your content. You can counteract that by boosting, and it doesn't really take that much money. Oh. The other thing you should do is, you know, understand what's going on with your social media. You should track and measure your results. You can check regularly from Google Analytics, social media insights. Both of those things are free and there's more information on our website about how to connect that and how to interpret that. And you should look at your ad performance. It's not enough just to place an ad. You have to understand how it performed, where it showed up, how people responded and what each of those numbers and data points actually mean. You can, if you're part of a team, you can create summary reports, both good and bad. Um, and you can also problem solve as a team. So if you guys worked for a big campaign or you tried to create a great video and you thought it was gonna be awesome, um, you know, sit down with your team and find out why it didn't work. Ask people outside of your team why it didn't work. Go to people who represent your audience and ask them. So, you know, problem solve as a group, be honest, be transparent, but always look at those numbers and base your next steps on those numbers because our feelings can sometimes be deceitful, as we know. So, now, if you're going to take the time to put together a campaign strategy, please take the time to track your performance. Um, otherwise, you can't build on what you learned because you didn't and learn from this campaign so you can't improve. So as I always tell people, I can teach the science behind social media, but I can't teach the art. So social media is both an art and a science. So you wanna use your data to inform your intuition. And then what I tend to do is I keep really detailed reports for myself. And then I shared high level reports for like management and, and stuff like that. But I also have the detailed reports in case they want to see it. I find it fascinating. I'm a nerd. I embrace it. I like looking at all the numbers. And I think you should too. So there are different types of social media metrics. Um, you want to identify the social media metrics that are the most important for your goals. Those goals and those performance metrics that we talked about initially. And decide how to track them over the life of your campaign. If you don't have a lot of time, which you probably don't, most people don't, um, you can set benchmarks and track high-level numbers. So these could, things could be just like activity metrics, like how much have you done? How many videos did you create? How many posts did you create um, starting from zero? Reach metrics are how many people who saw your data and who those people are. Where are they? Um, if you're trying to saturate, like let's say you're trying to reach the people of Phoenix, if you look at your numbers and you're actually reaching people in Canada, that's a problem. You, you need to reshape your strategy and your targeting to make sure you're reaching people in Phoenix. Your engagement metrics are basically how people are responding to your content. If they're liking, if they're sharing, if they're commenting. Um, acquisition metrics are changes in engagement over time or relationship developed. This could mean that they come and they visit your website. This means that they like follow your page. 
Um, it could mean that they messaged you and asked for more information. Um, conversion metrics, actions, sales results, stuff like that. Like, did they come to your website? Did they sign up and volunteer? Stuff like that. And then retention is like happy customers and brand evangelists. So people who start talking about what it is you're doing, they're sharing at their own fruition, um, you know, pictures and stuff from the event. So you end up with these brand ambassadors. Having said that, because we work for the church, not everything we do is quantitative. There is that qualitative aspect. There are those testimonies. And oftentimes I collect testimonies and like comb through social media just to read them. Because, you know, at the end of the day, we're trying to change hearts and minds. And there's not always numbers associated with that. But if you're engaging with people, if you're talking with people, if you're getting those heart stories, those count too. So I actually helped with the development of, I believe, Bible. I don't know how many of you are familiar with that, but they have over 100,000 followers now on Facebook. And some of what we track are the soft, you know, qualitative things. Like we have people messaging us from Europe saying, you know, hey, I'm a refugee in a camp. Where can I find an Adventist church? I'm not Adventist, but I love your messages. You know, stuff like that that is still important to track, but you also need the numbers to, to understand what's going on and how you can be more effective because maybe instead of getting, instead of getting two testimonies a week or stories like that, you should actually be getting five. And that's where the numbers and the data comes in and is important. So now I'm going to talk a little bit about member care. I have some more content on my website about this too, about how to assess your response with positive and negative feedback. And there's a bit of information in the NAD social media guidelines on this as well. But what I want to emphasize is that your goal for using social media for a ministry should be to ultimately understand and fulfill a need and make a tangible impact in the real world. We're not doing this just to do it. And we're not doing it because we want people to like us. We have a purpose. We have an intention. And social media is no different than a face-to-face conversation. You should respond to your audience. You should share their content and like their comments. Follow the conversation and actively participate. But listen. Seek to understand what they're saying and respond in a meaningful way. Building these relationships can have a huge impact on your brand awareness, trust, financial support if you need donations, and even more. Your goal should be to break down the perceived barrier between the individual and whatever your corporate brand is. Um, Here are the stats from Nielsen says 92% of people trust a referral from a friend. So you want to create those social media ambassadors. Again, people are less likely to respond to what a brand is saying and more likely to respond to their friend who is talking about the brand. Um, Do not underestimate the power of engagement. If you have a church page, if you have a ministry page, spend 15 minutes a day responding to people, checking your inboxes, checking your mentions and your tweets and live tweets and comments and making sure you're responding because ultimately there's no return on investment without it. It doesn't do any good if you touch someone emotionally or spiritually, they reach out and there's no response. Because then it, it, it disqualifies your brand. Like you're telling them, we care about you. We care about you spiritually. But then your actions don't match your message.
And this is where we're going to talk about ads. Our youth ministry in DC, which was called Regeneration. I think I spent about $300 a year. It's, it, you don't have to do a lot to have a big impact in a, in a local community. I'm limited on time today, but I would strongly encourage you to visit our website to learn more about tracking, Google Analytics, and social media insights. I have a free advanced course. It's basically just a PowerPoint with everything that you can download and look through. And I have a lot of blog articles as well. So Ads Manager is free. All you do is pay for the ads. Um, it makes it where you can view, make changes, and see results for all of your Facebook ads or campaigns. You can create ads, track the performance, you know, et cetera. Um, and it even has a mobile app. So if you're like me and you're often working from your phone, it's totally possible to place ads that way. Now, this is what I use. Um, most of you will not be in the situation I'm in where I have access to 30 different pages and I'm working on multiple different campaigns with different credit cards at the same time. But if you are in that situation, there's Business Manager. This allows you to manage access to pages and ad accounts, and it's geared towards um, like companies who need to have different permissions for lots of people. It allows me to manage multiple different campaigns all tied to different credit cards at the same time. And um, again, it's free to use. You just pay for the ads. And we'll do a little bit of live demoing later as long as there's time. So... Targeting is about reaching the right people without breaking the bank. Facebook actually bought Instagram. And so you can now run highly targeted ads on both Facebook and Instagram and take care of and take advantage of all the analytics that go with them. It's actually very easy to do. Like I said before, it's scalable to any budget. Facebook's advertising and targeting abilities are far superior to Twitter or Pinterest advertising. So I recommend that you start with Facebook ads. It, it will be more effectively used. Now, if you have a very large budget and infinite amounts of money, please talk to me. I have student loans. No, just kidding. Um, then you can diversify a little bit more. So, um, so here are some basic ways to target. And you'll notice that this closely mirrors the categories for finding your target audience that we discussed earlier. You can target by location down to address. So you can target within a mile of an address. It's pretty cool. Age, gender, language, interest, and you can choose multiple to reach people interested in a specific topic or part of a particular group. And you can do instead of need, so we can't target people based on what they need, but that kind of ties into interest. You can target people based on connection. So if they're connected to your page, you can boost your post to your page. I'm just gonna very quickly go through um, these different examples and I'm not gonna do a live demonstration until the end. I'll take you guys into Ads Manager and show you how that works. But for now, I'll just talk through these examples. So this first example is targeting within five miles of the city of Tacoma Park. I helped Sligo Church with their eating you alive um, health video showing that they were doing. We did by age. It was in English and they weren't going to have other language interpreters there. So we did it by English. And then we wanted to reach Adventist um, because Adventists are really good at sharing events online 
to their community. So that this was one target group. We actually targeted non-Adventists as well. But there are four interests that you can use to reach Adventists that are very, very helpful, which is just Seventh-day Adventist General Conference, North American Division, and then Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can also use Adventism. Any of those four, you get most of us. Um, the next example is um, we targeted Adventists who were also re- interested in religious liberty. This was for the NARLA um, convention that happened in May. And so I targeted within 30 miles of DC um, of all people and ages. I targeted Adventists and then I narrowed the targeting to people who were also interested in religious freedom. So if you're trying to go for a very niche audience, it's completely capable of doing that on Facebook. And then the next example is just how you can target people based on your page and who's connected to your page. So it's pretty easy. Live demo at the end, just because I think it'll be a little easier. So it's important to understand where your ads are appearing. Facebook allows you to edit these placements if needed. So it's not only about reaching the right people, but you need to reach them in the right place. So this goes back to our principle before, where we talked about making sure you're using the right platforms for your audience, you know, go to where people spend their time. And so this is actually under the targeting. You can edit your placements. Now in general, I allow Facebook to do its thing. Its algorithm works 24 seven, it's smarter than you. And it's really great at optimizing ad performance because ultimately if your ads do well and you get results, Facebook benefits because you'll place more ads and they'll get more money. So you can allow the algorithm to work for you. But there might be times when you do want to limit where the ad is shown. Um, So if I'm trying to reach, let's say, an older audience, and I know if it goes on Instagram, it'll reach a younger audience, I might not allow the ads to run on Instagram. I may focus the ads to something called audience network. We'll talk about that in a moment. The placements are, you can do the different streams in Facebook. You can do news instant articles, or just the right column. They also allow larger businesses now to do in-stream videos, kind of like what YouTube does. Um, Instagram, you can promote in feeds and stories. Now, what a lot of people don't know about is something called audience network. And this extends your reach by showing your ads the same target audience that you're reaching on Facebook and Instagram, but it targets them on other mobile apps and websites. So you might get an ad for, let's say, Pathway to Health while reading the news. And because it's going into one of those run of site ad blocks, Facebook's feeding it to it. And so it's a great way to help you reach those seven impressions to get people to take action is they can, you know, maybe you leave a flyer on their door, Um, You talk to them in person, you invite them to an event on Facebook, and then they get an ad in the news as they're reading the local news. So it's very effective. Also, audience network is great for reaching older audiences. Now let's talk about how much you'd like to spend and when your ads appear. So I typically go for a lifetime budget. The reason I do this is because it prevents you from accidentally overspending. 
you have to spend at least $5 a day. But if you hook it up to go $5 a day and then you get pneumonia and you go into the hospital for three weeks, you've been spending $5 a day and there's no one there to stop it. Um, or if you just get busy and overwhelmed, you, then you don't have to worry about stopping the ad. I set the time parameter, the days, and the total budget, and that seems to be the most effective. For optimization of the bid amounts, I let Facebook choose the recommended option because, uh, again, the mis um, for scheduling, you can let Facebook decide or you can choose specific days and times to run ads. I find that a lot of people in the Adventist church are concerned about placing ads on the Sabbath. And I totally understand that. So this example shows how you can block off the Sabbath. My conundrum though, is that actually I have access to about 40 Adventist pages and on every single one of them, the peak time is Friday to Saturday. And so I know that people are viewing social media on the Sabbath. And for me, I do want to provide them with good content versus um, worldly content. So it's just something to consider, to pray about, decide what, what you want to do with that. But if you are of the mind that you don't want to spend any ad money or place ads on the Sabbath, you can easily control that if that's a concern. There are different types of ads. Um, this ties back to knowing what your purpose is having a clear objective about what you're trying to achieve so that your ad dollars are not wasted. And then of course, you know, setting the right parameters and the benchmarks that you want to attract to make sure it's performing the way you want it to. So the first ad I'm going to mention is a page like ad. This is just great for increasing your following on Facebook. Of course you want the right people to follow you. So you want to be very highly targeted in who you're reaching. And, um, this is an example from I Believe Bible. Back when they only had 26,000 followers, they now have over 100,000. Um, these can be very effective just for creating more awareness in your community because you can't consistently reach them on your social media channels if they're not following you. So this is a way to get more followers. You can do website ads. Um, this is a great way to increase traffic to your website, um, promote a content product, brand awareness, offers, you know, increase attendance. Each of these examples are sort of good examples of how to write for social media. So this is a good example. We were trying to recruit people for the He Said Go conference. Um, and so all the proper language is there. This next one is the boosted post. Um, so this is an example from Hope Trending, which is I think over a year old now, but the, the principle is there. You want your image to have less than 20% text. And in this case, we knew that only 10 to 20% of our fan base that we were building through page like ads were going to see in every post. So then we then boosted our post to the people who are already invested in us, already following us to reach more of the contract. And the great thing when you boost posts to your followers is they're more likely to share and comment, which increases your reach as well. Because when they interact with your post, then it shows up in their friends' news feeds. And then because it shows up in their friends' news feeds and they can see that their friend liked it, they're more likely to pay attention to it, which is helpful. 
So here's an example for video views. Now I can tell you that I worked with D recently and he actually ran some ads to help with the videos he released and it was pretty successful. Um, but it's a great way to increase your reach to a targeted audience if you're trying to get some video content out there. It increases your engagement and your views. Um, it allows you to tell your story to a wider audience because we know right now that video is king. The other cool thing is when you place ads through Facebook and it's the video, it automatically prompts you to create captions and you can actually create the captions right in Facebook. It's very easy to do. The next one is event response ads. So this example is from Sligo Church in Tacoma Park. They were doing a free film with like a health discussion afterwards and they wanted to reach more people in the community. So we did a, an events response ad and the cool thing about these is people can easily share about the event and invite their friends to the event. Of course, it increases attendance awareness, but you can take advantage of crowd mentality um, because you can see that your friend is going, so I want to go too. So the way Facebook does it is actually quite clever. It shows you all your friends who are also said that they're going to the event or interested and that gets my attention. And then suddenly I'm more interested in the event as well. Here are some general tips for placing ads. Again, you can find more on sdadata.org. So you want to limit your text and ads and use high quality images. There's a lot of clutter online. You, wanna, you want something that will pop and get people's attention. Facebook has free stock imagery you can use in the image section of the ads creation tab. I can show you that in the live demonstration, but I'll also show you in the tab, the next one. You want to keep text brief, but provide context. I can't tell you how many times I see a video or even a live video that's just playing, but there's no sentence to describe what it is that we're watching. People aren't going to take the time to watch if they don't know why they should watch. So always give them a reason. Always pique their interest. Always target your audience. Include a clear call to action. Be honest. You're trying to build a relationship. No bait and switch and include your captioning. This is just a quick example of where you can get those free stock images in Facebook. It's under the ad creation. I'm just gonna quickly go through analysis, making sense of the results. Um, Facebook provides, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram all have free analytics. So you wanna make sure that you're tracking your ads and understanding what those numbers mean, monitoring your engagement, doing tests, seeing what works better. And you can also use Google Analytics um, and trackable links. You can find out more about that on my website. Key terms to highlight, there's more about this on our website as well, but you wanna make sure that you, your objective is getting the right results and you can track results. You can see reach who and how many people you're reaching with how many impressions. You can get a sense of saturation because you can reach one person with five impressions and that means you're highly saturating them and you know cost per result, etc. Relevance rating is important to pay attention to. You want to aim for at least a six, but an eight to nine rating is preferred. This just is Facebook's estimate of how well your target audience is responding to your ad. Basically, is your content appealing to the people that you're targeting? So that's important to know. And you can see stuff like this about how um, 
basically about how and where things are performing. So we can see the age, the gender, and then in this case, this particular ad was showing up on Facebook and Instagram. Now, do we have any questions? I know we have just like a couple of minutes left, but. Questions for Jamie as far as any details on the ads and campaigns? When you were first beginning um, your social media work, what were some things you had to learn through experience that you didn't find in a book or a seminar? Well, um, and this is where I get to make a fun joke. I'm older than I look. So when I started in social media, I had no one to teach me. So everything I learned was from experience and reading online blogs and stuff. But I think the most important thing I had to learn was that you don't always have to respond. You don't have to respond to someone who's abusing you online. Um, sometimes the best response is no response. And that I had to learn through experience um, and just how to, you know, if you're on social media and you have a message and you're proclaiming that message, you're going to get positive and negative feedback. And some of that you should consider and respond to if the person seems reasonable, but you cannot reason with a troll. And there, you were not, they actually just recently did a study. You are not going to change anybody's mind about anything on social media. You need to have those face-to-face -face conversations. The reason we are on social media is to reach the people who are searching, reach the people who need information, who need to hear that message. The people that have shut the door to you that are ready to pick a fight with you no matter what are not the people you're trying to reach. It's okay not to respond. It's okay to block them. That's a good point. Uh, Will? Maybe one more question? Yeah, there's one more. When you have a uh, Facebook page that you're, you don't have many followers yet, but you're trying to get going more, um, is it better to cross-post posts from your page onto your personal channel or to make personal posts and post them on your page? Like, because I've seen um, it's that better I can't. To actually Sorry, take, um, the, if you're trying to get people to follow your ministry or your public profile, it's better to post um, from that profile page to your personal page and people to follow your, follow your brand. Because you're trying to get sort of that family and friend involvement to start with. Yeah. So you kind of take that post and put it on your page to flex it. Um, well, has this been helpful for you guys? I know it's nerdy stuff, but like if you want to take to the next level, it takes this, uh, especially the way that Facebook has designed the pay-to-play feature. It, it's, that's just the nature of the beast. And uh, this has made a big difference for us. Like I said, we got thousands more views on videos just from doing simple stuff. It didn't cost a lot of money, but I just didn't know how to do it. It was just a different language for me. So um, if you go to mm -hmm. hashtag digital evangelism, search that. Or if you go to at DigiEvangelism, like on Facebook or other places, you can reach out to Jamie that way. Um, and her email address is here, jamieschneidernadadventist.org, to be able to have more information to know how to follow up with questions, any tech questions you've got or whatever. Um, as she mentioned earlier, she's uh, more than happy to help with that. So, um, yeah, Jamie, can you put the email one back up? 
Some people are taking pictures. Um, that's to- actually, I realize that's my old email. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's Jamie, so, D-O-M-M. Yeah. Yeah, I got married recently, so um, I'm still doing a rebranding of myself. But actually, <laughs> the website you should go to is sdadata.org. There's a ton of content up there. And if you go to that website and you don't find the answers you're looking for, actually the best way to reach out to me is on like Facebook, <laughs> believe it or not. I will respond to an email that you send me, um, but my email address is now, actually, you know what I can do is I can, um, I think, close this out and just type up my new email address here, actually. Okay. Let me just do I'll just type it out for you. You guys should be able to see it, right? Can you see my screen? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let me shrink that <laughs> so it fits. Um, yeah, so I'm actually going through my own my own rebranding process right now, which is kind of fun, but okay. <laughs> hey, congrats. Well, All right, so you guys um, can see that. <laughs> Great. So let's close with a word of prayer, and then Jasper will have his next seminar, uh, his first seminar on how to make visual content. God in heaven, thank you for Jamie giving us the time today. Thank you for the great information you've given her and shared with us. And I just pray that you'd bless us as we try to use this mission field for you and to have a tangible presence for the gospel in a dark area. And we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. This message was recorded at the GYC 2017 Conference Arise in Phoenix, Arizona. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.